Good afternoon, collectors and friends. Welcome to Trading Card Therapy, episode number 42, just about one week removed from the National Sports Collectors Convention in Chicago. For those who were fortunate enough to be able to attend, to experience, and enjoy, I'm glad they were able to go. For those of you that did not make it this year, please try to make it next year in Cleveland. It is definitely an event to remember, and it really is irrelevant if you are casual or if you're a serious sports fan or if you're in between. It is highly enjoyable for every um, type of fan, collector, investor, etc. So hopefully you can make it next year in Cleveland. For those of you that I was able to meet this year in Chicago or see again, uh, I'm very grateful for that. And of course, looking forward to maybe meeting a lot more of you next year and seeing some of my old friends as well in Cleveland. What's going on, Nick? Thanks for joining us today. So we have a few things that we're going to talk about following the National Sports Collectors Convention. Uh, we're good. Yeah. Uh, number one is, uh, at least my observation, that vintage was hot. So I was at the booth a little bit more than usual, uh, which was nice. And from our booth, I was not only impressed by the amount of vintage that we sold, but the amount of vintage that people asked about, that they were interested in, and a lot more folks than ever before try to trade uh, with me, but they try to trade to upgrade, let's say, their you know, Hank Aaron rookie or their Mickey Mantle third year, whatever the case uh, you know, was. So I thought that was fascinating. Um, and where I'd like to start to tell our first story today on trading card therapy is with um, a boy who was 12 years old. He walked up. This was, I believe, Saturday or Sunday. And... He had his heart set on a Wayne Gretzky Tops rookie that was in my display case. It was graded in SGC2. And we started to talk a little bit. I believe his name is Henry. And my good friend Ming was there helping us with some videography over the weekend. So we asked Henry and his dad if it was okay if we filmed. So we did. Uh, we filmed our whole interaction. And it was fascinating because Henry is far more advanced as a 12-year-old collector than I was. He definitely knew that vintage was where it was at. And even though I knew a little bit about vintage cards growing up, uh, I certainly didn't have the foresight and the discipline that he did to be collecting. So anyway, before we got into the Wayne Gretzky rookie, he told me about his big trade at the National is he had a second-year Hank Aaron, 1955 tops, created SGC4. He traded that, and I believe maybe another card or two of less consequence and potentially some money. Excuse me. And he traded up for his first ever Hank Aaron rookie. It was graded PSA 1, and it had a lot of the attributes of a PSA 1. Henry did not care. He was gleaming. Uh, I was really happy to hear the story. And we then kind of segued into this Wayne Gretzky rookie. So he was out of cards to trade, and he made me an offer. So, you know, everyone kind of has their own way of you know, making an offer. So he said comps and, you know, I wanted to be of course kind to him. And, you know, some people, the word comps gets people crazy. Uh, you know, to me, it's, it's not offensive. Uh, you know, I don't love it either. Um, at the same time, it's about who it's coming from. And Henry meant no offense whatsoever, quite the opposite. 
he was just there to have a good time and buy some, you know, cool cards for his collection. So when he made me an offer and he said it was off the last comp, and I said, well, Henry, you're giving me like a great underhanded softball pitch here to take a moment to maybe share with you how I think about pricing. And I think he was very interested because I don't think his dad is into as into vintage cards as Henry is. So I said, okay, first of all, what attracted to you, attracted you to this Wayne Gretzky rookie? He said, well, you know, it's graded. It's affordable. Most of the ones I see that are graded that are, you know, um, that are lower end are just a little bit out of my price range. We like to price it, you know, pretty fairly. I think the price was, you know, maybe 600 or 650. I don't quite remember. And I think he made an offer of, you know, $520. Um, and I tried to show him that comps is one way of looking up what you think a value of a card is. But I also encouraged him that when you're looking up the value of the card, to try to think about, not that eBay is the end-all be-all, because it clearly is not. And with Mascot coming into the mix, I believe more people are going to be able to push out their inventory, even as a collector, for sale to these different marketplaces. So if you haven't checked out Mascot, please do. We're hopefully going to have Ezra on a future episode of Trading Card Therapy or Leighton's Loft. But I was on a recent episode of Journey Lee Show with Ezra and got to ask him a bunch of good questions on Mascot. Seems like a fantastic platform. Anyway, regardless, we just looked at eBay and I said, all right, so you realize it's probably not that easy to find low-grade Wayne Gretzky rookies at a reasonable price. This one was a two. It was a reasonable looking two. So he said the last one sold for such and such, 500 and, you know, whatever it was, $20, $25. He offered $520. So I said, all right, well, that's one of the ways to, to do it. One of the other ways that I like to figure out maybe what a card is worth or what I'll sell a card for is, of course, see what it may be recently sold for. But I also like to see what is available for sale. So without, once again, combing through all the various marketplaces that God knows between the auction houses and, you know, various platforms where you can park, you know, your stuff in vaults like eBay and uh, Golden, et cetera, there's a lot of places. But in this case, we just looked at eBay. And I said, oh, well, this is interesting because the cheapest you can buy, I think maybe it was a one, uh, we'll look in the video, that you can buy a graded Gretzky Tops rookie for was like $650. And he was like, oh. So I said, don't worry, Henry. You know, I was in a deal-making mood, and the kid the kid was really as cute as possibly could be. And hopefully, God willing, one day when my son Crosby is eight and four more years, if he's an avid collector, you know, maybe a dealer is going to be as kind to him as I tried to be to Henry and his family. So I explained to him that, you know, I think the card might be a little bit more than you're making an offer for. And I said, is it okay if I counter you? And of course, you know, he said, sure. Now, keep in mind, I knew I was going to do a deal with him no matter what, um, just because he was uh, really everything that you love about the hobby. Um, and in terms of, you know, folks don't know if young kids are really in the vintage. Well, I mean, this is proof, you know, uh, right in front of me. So anyway, I told him that I would sell it for $530. Um, and he quickly said yes. And then uh, we actually gave back 10 of the dollars because really we were okay with 520, uh, which was his original offer. And we told his dad to buy them ice cream. Um, but nonetheless, we were able to put one of the greatest hockey players, if not the greatest hockey player of all time. And I asked him why he wanted Gretzky's rookie. And that's what he said, because he's the greatest hockey player of all time. So it's really amazing to think that there's an avid sports fan, avid sports fan out there who not only understands the history of the respective games, but it was also taking note and trying to, you know, parlay some of the lawn money, allowance money, and maybe some of his cards 
you know, into grails like a Hank Aaron rookie, like a Wayne Gretzky rookie. So I wish I had that foresight when I was 12 years old. So um, here's to you, uh, Henry, really uh, great job working on your collection. It was a pleasure to meet you and your family. And I'm glad that we were able to work out a deal. So I hope you're still loving your Wayne Gretzky rookie and your Hank Aaron rookie just as much as you did last week at the National, but I'm sure you are. And look forward to hopefully seeing you and many other kids like you next year in Cleveland's. And I don't know if it'll be next year or the year after, but soon enough, my son Crosby will accompany me to the National and hopefully going to meet a lot of your kids uh, at the show. So that's my uh, first thing I wanted to cover today. Uh, the next thing I wanted to cover was, uh, I wouldn't say it's controversial, but it could be. So, you know, there's this whole, if you will, movement in the industry, in the hobby of, you know, folks buying cards for their appeal versus their technical grade. And I love that because I'm one of those folks who, who does that. But of course, in the national, I'm on the other end, meaning selling. And one of the things I noticed is, you know, no matter how nice a card is for the grade, if you deal with someone who is either maybe not aware of some of the nuances in the space or, you know, just collects candidly the grade, meaning the slab, and they don't worry so much about eye appeal. We got into a whole discussion about a 1933 Gaudi Babe Ruth number 149 red, which just happens to be, I think, the hottest of the four Ruth Gaudis right now. And we had it in a PSA 1. I thought it was supposed to grade a PSA 2 and had it priced accordingly. So, you know, the gentleman asked me about the price. Do you have any flexibility? Uh, we had a tiny bit of flexibility. Happy to talk to him. And then, you know, pulled no punches. Uh, said, hey, you know, well, the last such and such ones have sold for between x and y you know yours is really expensive and i said oh well you know i uh appreciate that you know some of the cards that you've looked at in that grade have sold for between x and y but i think we'd all agree that you know they're not all the same and he's like well what do you mean i said meaning like all the psa ones you know they're not all created equal you know one of the psa ones might have paper loss on the front another one might have uh, some writing on it, or whatever the case might be. And he said, oh, yeah, sure. But, you know, they all fall between X and Y. I said, all of them? He said, well, you know, most of them. I said, exactly. So in my case, I have a card. I actually think it was incorrectly graded by PSA, but a conversation for a different day. And so because of the cost of grading and cracking out, you know, sometimes you just price a card and, you know, see what happens. Uh, and that's what I did with this particular Babe Ruth. And so um, I explained to him that I thought the car was better for the grade, thought it was a great PSA too. And he said, no, you know, I really do think it's a nice card, but it's expensive. And I said, yes, but would it be expensive if it was a PSA too? And, you know, he thought about it for a moment and said, you know, I guess not. But then he had asked me a great question. Would you have priced it differently if it actually got graded a PSA too? I looked him right in the eye and I said, I don't know. But... I do think I would be within the range of what I'm asking now. Maybe I'd ask a smidge more, but I believe that the card is far and away above most, if not all, of the ones that I've seen. So this leads me to the point that I want to cover on today's 42nd episode of Trading Card Therapy, which is, as much as you love cards and you want to buy the best possible example for the grade, Keep in mind that when you're going to potentially resell, 
whether it be at a national or at auction, not everyone might appreciate the value the same way you do. So they might say, well, a one or a six of that card is never sold for such and such. I'm not going to pay you that. And so, of course, you say, well, I appreciate it, but I'll respectfully decline. And then, you know, they try to get into a further discussion with you. And you simply say, hey, you know, I think the card is nicer than the grade indicates. And I think we'd all agree. And this is what I want people to take away from today's episode of Trading Card Therapy. And this is what I try to explain to the gentleman. Keep in mind, even PSA 10s, within a respective grade, there is often a wide range of the way the card can look. Believe it or not, especially at a PSA 1, because there are so many substantial flaws that can cause a card to grade a PSA 1. I think we'd all agree that not all PSA 1s are created equal. So beauty is in the eye of the beholder. But just keep in mind that a lot of folks who are out there, even though I sold plenty of cards above what the comp said for that grade at the national, this is what I wanted to um, cover in today's episode. There was a bunch of pushback. And I'm just giving you the straight scoop. Believe me, I'd rather tell you there was none and, and sugarcoat everything. But the pushback that I got was because folks didn't necessarily understand either the nuances for that card or the overall market and the strategy. And to them, um, perfect example is someone who had a Hank Aaron rookie. We had a really well-centered, what's up, Ryan? How are you? Uh, we had a really well-centered Hank Aaron rookie. And I think it was a grade of PSA five and a half. This gentleman had either a four and a half or a five, but you know, it was an ugly five, right? It was, you know, not well-centered. It definitely looked to be a lower end example for the grade. And at first, he was like very proud to have found my card. Seemed like we were definitely going to do a trade. Had some quality stuff. So I picked out some things and, you know, crunched some numbers. And I said, hey, if you give me this Aaron rookie and I guess, you know, this card and whatever the amount of money was or a ham sandwich, you could have my, you know, Hank Aaron. And he looked at it. He said, you know, I really appreciate it. But I just, I can't do that for a half grade or for a full grade. Totally understand. So I just want you to know that when you're going out and you're buying a card at above market for the grade, do so because you love it. If you want to do so for investment, that's why I'm cautioning you today. You have to understand that not everyone, the entire marketplace is not on the same footing quite yet. I hope, I hope for the future that we will be, and there'll be a little bit more um, standard grading between companies especially for vintage. Um, but for that, you know, uh, being said, keep in mind that perfection is not around the corner. So while there are those like myself and many others who are going to be watching today's show and they understand that they have no problem paying up for a nice 48 Leaf DiMaggio three. I saw this on Instagram earlier today. Gentleman traded his three and like 600 bucks to get a really well-centered three. Fantastic. I do that kind of stuff all the time. But I just want you to know not everyone will. So before you break the bank on your next nice for the grade purchase, keep in mind, try to have a plan about what you might do with it. And if you're going to the grade with it, God bless. I hope it's not for a long time, but just keep in mind that it may not be as easy to sell it as you think, depending on who you're talking to. Hey, what's up, Ken? How are you? What's up, Charles? 
so I wanted to uh, cover one more thing here as we are wrapping up on trading card therapy. And that is about our company, Vintage Breaks. We had a tremendous national. It was our first national that we didn't break entirely uh, during the national at the convention center itself. Uh, but we did break here for an incredible amount of time for seven days in a row. And yours truly, of course, with some of our staff members was also at the national, you know, buying wax. Uh, we tried to open a 67 rack, but we're hopefully, hopefully going to do that soon with Fanatics. Um, but anyway, as part of our Vintage Breaks community, we have a number of members uh, who have uh, both supported us, both with their, you know, their chat, with, um, you know, sending us uh, baked goods to our office, dropping off baked goods like Nick. Um, and of course with your business, um, and tuning into our show. Uh, and so one of those happens, excuse me, one of those people happens to be, uh, Todd M and Todd also won our $1,000 shopping spree to be spent at the national courtesy of vintage breaks. So I believe Todd right now is on vacation with his family and said he'll watch us on playback, but I wanted to show Todd the three cards that I chose for him and keep in mind. Todd, if these are cards that you don't love, we can always uh, swap them out. But without any further delay, two of the three, I know you start, you've uh, begun to get into the T206 set. And I don't think you've made any purchases. You know, maybe you've won some cards from us, but you've been intrigued by it. So I thought, what better way to get you a couple portraits, but then to have them be of two Chicago Hall of Famers, considering the Nationals in Chicago. So the first one is, and he's got a great baseball story. Todd, uh, if you'd like to read about it or anyone else, just Google three-finger Mordecai Brown. It is a Piedmont 150 back. Really nice for the grade. I mean, the card looks VG to me, Todd, which is what drew me to it. So without further ado, let me switch the camera. Here is card number one. A Mordecai Brown, three-finger Brown, Cubs on shirt portrait, graded SGC one and a half, really looks like a solid VG card to me. I'm going to show our friends on Instagram as well. So that's a beauty, especially for the grade. Now, next up, the Joe Tigger portraits become very expensive in recent years. So for the budget, we have one more card after this. Uh, we were able to get you a one. It's got decent eye appeal. Uh, so like I said, beauty is in the eye of the beholder. So this is something that you like, Todd, great. And if not, we'll get you something new. But I always dug the way that his baseball um, jersey with that collar right there appeared. And this card, like I said, is appreciated a lot in recent years. So when you consider that this is only a one and a half and this is a one, it looks like this card's a four or three versus this. But nonetheless, those are the two Chicago Hall of Fame portraits I was able to secure a few at the national. I'm thinking about doing my hair like that, the Joe Tinker way. Maybe I'll do that for Halloween. But I wanted to show our friends on Instagram. And then the last card is, and I feel like this is a perfect way to end our 30, uh, oh, excuse me, our 42nd show. I think I still need to catch up on some sleep from this week. Um, this is our 42nd show of Trading Card Therapy. And what better way to end it? It ain't over till it's over. Yep, you guessed it. A gorgeous, to me, the card looks like a solid near mint, dead nut centered, 60 tops, Yogi Berra, 
in the height of his career. So that trio is yours, Todd, courtesy of Vintage Breaks in our community. Hope you enjoy and looking forward to you. Drop me some feedback later on. Thanks to each and every one of you who tuned in today to Trading Card Therapy. I hope you'll be back next week for our 43rd show. And plug my front, my friend Jeremy's show. Please tune into Sports Card Live this Saturday, 10 o'clock Eastern time is when he starts. Yours truly drop, drums, uh, jumps on at 10.30 p.m. Eastern time with the Vintage Spotlight. Take care, everybody.